I have waited. Oh, no. Andrew, you're off screen. I have waited 152 days to say this. Hockey fans, SDPN fans, welcome back to Game Over. Uh, my name is Lauren. We have lost Rachel. I'm going to bring her back in one quick second. Obviously, it's different. Obviously, it's Game Over Toronto. And Andrew is hanging out on the other side of the screen. And that is because we have the very exciting thing of Game Over crossovers happening for the very first time in STPN history. So welcome to Game Over. Rachel and Andrew, welcome to Game Over Toronto, guys. Thanks. I love this. Right? I love that in, in true SDPN and Game Over fashion, we have technical difficulties on the first stream of the season. So like I said, <laughs> welcome back to Game Over. My name is Lauren Williamson. On the far right hand of your screen, we have the wonderful Andrew Berkshire. And in the middle is my good friend, Rachel Dory. And uh, it has been a long time. 152 days, guys. How was your summer? We'll talk to the game. We'll talk about the game in a second. But well, I, first, I want to say how talented is Lauren here on the fly, introducing the show and cutting these uh, these windows to make it fit into our little overlay at oh the gosh. same time. This is it's why Lauren's here. It's a major sleigh, Lauren. You're killing it right <laughs> off the hop. We, things we'd love to see. Game. You know what? Lauren is in like Austin Matthews form. She came game one. She brought the heat. Yes. And Austin Matthews with three goals did the same thing. Uh, it was very close. I didn't know until literally 67 seconds was left in the game that the Leafs were even going to survive. Um, and it was a big push. It was a crazy game on both sides. Andrew, did you think at one point the Habs were going to lose? Because I thought the Leafs were going to lose most of the game. Oh, I, I thought the sec after the second period it was over, right? Yeah. Uh, the Habs last year were, like, really terrible in second periods, so I guess I shouldn't have been surprised at how that second period went. But I'm going to I'm gonna say something that's, like, maybe a little bit controversial here because we all know Toronto's a better team. Toronto outshot them, probably outchanced them. I haven't checked. I think they were extraordinarily lucky to get out of that game ahead. I think they got a ton of calls go their way that were really iffy and they had a bunch of goals go in that probably shouldn't have gone in. Jake Allen's such a weird goalie. Like two out of three of Matthews's goals probably shouldn't have gone in. Noah Gregor's goal shouldn't go in on an NHL goalie. And then an OT, he makes like four spectacular saves. Like it's He's such a weird goalie, but I think this one, I don't know. I think this game sums up why so many Toronto fans hate this team. Because the way that they celebrated when they, like, tied it up and, like, you see uh, the bench just, like, go nuts and, like, I don't know, I wouldn't be, like, celebrating that much about this game. <laughs> I feel like this should have been, like, businesses as usual, heads down, out the out the door game. I know I'm not against celebrating. No, 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 no. Like they didn't Andrew's really against fun. One. That's actually what I'm getting. <laughs> I am. I am against fun. Yeah, his official title is Director of Game Over and Director of No More Fun. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely a, a game that I was prepared to say the Leafs deserved to lose. Uh, for the first period, the whole, every single thing that I wrote in my famous notes was pretty much bad. <laughs> like, it was just, it was just, it was just really bad. Like, the Leafs just look so scattered right out of the gate. And it's, it's crazy how much the Leafs look like they were still in preseason, like a first game of the preseason. And the Habs are like, oh, it's regular season. We're making crisp passes. And the Leafs, like, how many times did TJ Brody fall? Like, at least three. And it is yeah, just a rough night. It was just bad. It was just really bad. They got they won by the skin of their teeth. And, you know, lots of people would say they they won the playoff round last year by the same thing. But that's last year. This is this year. And uh, I'm just glad that I'm just glad that Josh Anderson didn't score. <laughs> if I'm going to be totally honest, like we, we didn't get shut out by Jake Allen and Josh Anderson did not score. That is a win. And on top of the extra point in overtime and the shootout. I think I look at this and I, I wrote it in my column earlier today, my betting column, like the Leafs in Montreal are completely and utterly incapable of just playing a normal hockey game. Every time they play some nonsense has to occur, whether it's like yep. an injury or 87 fights or all the goals and no defensive play, or the goalies just opting not to participate for 90% of the game. Like they just can't play a normal hockey game. It's always this clown show circus dumpster fire that's going down a train with an 18-wheeler careening off a cliff. Like, it's just always a mess. And it felt like that. I mean, 2 nothing, Then it's like 3 nothing for a second. Then it's called back. And then it's 2-2. And then it's 3-2. And then off we go back and forth. And it's like, holy crap. 
crap. Like, can you guys just play a normal game? (laughs) Yeah. Either have effort or don't. Right. And that's through the whole first period. Like the Habs, all credit to them. And I hate doing this, especially when Andrew's on here, but they were playing so hard, like right from the get go. They, they were making really good passes, really good decision-making. They had such good sticks through the whole game, like their puck interception, the way that they were getting in the way of every single, every single wave, every time the, the Leafs got into the zone, like right at the beginning of the game, there was probably like, at, or, sorry, at the beginning of the second, four times the Leafs made it into the zone. And then within, you know, 10 feet of the line, they, turn it over because the Habs are just there and they're on top of them. Like they were, the Habs played so good tonight. And honestly, I, it, it that shootout could have gone any other way. Like I can't. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it, but I, that game was just, I mean, what a way to start the season, right? It's special. You know, it, it, this, these two teams, they almost always seem to go to overtime. It's been years now that this has been the trend, right? It's been even when the Habs were good and the Leafs were bad, they would go to overtime. When the Habs are bad and the Leafs are good, they go to overtime. They just play each other tight. And whether that's, you know, the bad team caring more than the good team, which, whoever, whichever team that is, right? They want to play spoiler for their historical rival. It just breeds fun hockey. I feel like this is su- such a fun way to start the season because there were, what, four distinct momentum changes in this game, right? Like, that's yeah. awesome. Sucks yeah. that it ended in a shootout, but... What can you Boo, do? Boo the shootout. Boo. Ooh. Skills competitions not till January, you cowards. Um, yeah, no, and, and that's the whole thing. Like, even at the end of the game, the like the color commentary was saying, Oh, I wish it would go longer on three on three. And it's true, like, but when it was three on three overtime, even though I can't believe the Leafs were able to kill off that penalty at, at, with a hundred with a hundred, with a minute forty seven to go. Um, but to make it to overtime is like it, it shows that both teams to the end somehow cared, even though the first twenty five minutes of the game the Leafs looked like they were they were still in bed from yesterday. So except Nylander. Yes. Yes. Hey, everyone is trading William Nylander, okay? The <sighs> amount of uncles in Ontario who traded William Nylander and nearly had a stroke when Timothy Lilligren turned the puck over. Like I tweeted this, but if that's Justin Hall that turns the puck over, my podcast co-host might be dead. <laughs> like the amount of uncles that would have been screaming at the top of their lungs in game one would have been incredible. Like, yeah, I kind of wanted the Leafs to lose just to see the chaos. I mean, yeah. Go ahead, Andrew. You look like you're ready to go. <laughs> I, I mean, it's always fun to watch the Leafs lose. I'm not. I'm not gonna deny that. I think that, uh, like overall, they probably deserve to. Like they're the better team. We all know that, right? But yeah, they. It took a long time for them to wake up, except for Nylander. And you just can't do that. You can't take teams lightly in this league. And I think this is where I am with the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. Like, obviously, I'm not coming at it from a fan perspective, just as an outsider perspective. I look at the monumental decisions that the organization made this summer and what the it looked like it was going to be before Dubas and Shanahan had their head-to-head and Dubas ended up getting canned. Yeah. And I'm I'm looking at this team and the attitude that they play with. And I know it's only one game, so I'm I'm throwing out hot takes here, but I just I wonder if it's even possible for depth players to change the top guys. And I remember there was a moment in the summer, like uh, Mitch Marner was talking to a reporter. I don't remember what for. It was like some event that he was doing a charity event. It was was the Marner Assist Fund where he like, I think he raises a bunch of money for like underprivileged kids to play sports. Yeah, like obviously he's a great guy and that matters. But when he was talking about, you know, there's uh, however many other guys on, on the team. It's not just the big four. I'm like, man, Mitch, you can't sit there and hold out and have an unprecedentedly expensive contract for a winger change the entire structure of how wingers are paid in the NHL and then say, well, you know, it's, it's kind of up to the other guys too. No, man, you got to step your shit up yeah. and you got to actually be a leader. And <laughs> Matthews, that comment, in the regular think- season, yes. But like they kept on talking in the broadcast about how uh, Matthews has so many opening game goals. How many closing day goals does he have? And that's where I'm, I'm at with this team is I want to see them actually take that step and play when it matters. And, the way they start games still, I'm like, I don't know. You're not taking it seriously. You think you can just Harlem Globetrotters around teams and sometimes it works, but not when it matters. 
I, you know what, that you, I, you and I talked about this when he made that comment. I feel like you texted me or I texted you. We were like, what the heck is this? Cause I have, ha- I have said this for years now, like go- going back to like when I worked with the devil. So we're talking like six years now. If you are paid, if your salary starts with an eight or more, I don't care what you do in the regular season. I don't even care if you play, frankly. If you are not elite from April 10th onwards, you are not worth your contract. And yes, players aren't paid in the playoffs. But when you're paying a player more than $8 million a year, you are paying him for the playoffs. And so, I mean, there was a behind-the-scenes reason for Matthews um, not scoring in the playoffs last year. And I think we can all see that that issue has been fixed um some off season and some uh medical attention will do that um but i look at it and that martyr comment irked me and i'm sure it irked you lauren it, it's on the other guys no you make 11 million dollars it is firmly on you mitchell like firmly now i will say the added snottiness in the top six i think will give a different element with bertuzzi and domi but I kind of agree with you, Andrew. I'm not sure you can change the stripes of the star players. However, I think Morgan Riley has kind of proven he yes. shows up when it matters all the time. William Nylander, kind of the same. Um, and I feel like Austin Matthews is kind of getting there. When he's not hurt, he plays well. And it, he just has to stop playing through injuries. <laughs> like, Yeah, I feel like they've taken steps in the last couple playoffs right like you can see marner's no longer that guy who's snake bit and can't get it done in in the playoffs he's producing points i think to me it's like those really crucial moments where you need a guy to just barrel through the defense and find that puck in front of the net and it seems like of the top four guys that we're always talking about it's only nylander who consistently is like running off the tracks and trying to crash through things and just make things happen. And the other guys are just like, well, you know, the puck will come to me and and I'll make a play. And that works sometimes, but sometimes you have to force it. Yeah. And that's the, and that's, I, I definitely agree with both of you. And that's something you can see when I, when I watch different teams, like if I take myself out of being a Leaf fan for a second, when I'm watching a game like the Habs and I watch how well connected they are and they don't just like wait for things to happen. If there's nothing happening, they make moves and they move around. And that's something that I've noticed last se- pre- seasons previous and even just tonight and in the preseason. Cause I went to a couple of preseason games. I was lucky to go to a couple, um, you know, there's a lot of time where the Leafs are puck watching their own guys because they're like, okay, well, what are you going to do? Whereas a lot of other teams, they'll at least keep their feet moving. And that's something that, like, some players on the Leafs have struggled with in the past. Like, obviously, Nylander, he's so frustrating, right? Because there's games where he gets benched because he just puts in no effort, and sometimes he just looks so off. But then he, you know, in the playoffs, he does show up, and it's like, okay, well, you it's a double-edged sword to some degree. And even Matthews, like he does, he plays so well in the playoffs when he's not hurt. So is it a matter of keeping him not hurt? Okay, well, how do we do that? Well, we get more people that punch other people in the face so that maybe he doesn't get punched in the face as much, which seems great. You know, tonight, not going to lie, it's kind of nice seeing a Leaf come out and like knock boots with Arbor Jack High and not think twice about it. Like <laughs> there was no one to do that last oh year. Oh my God, Arbor Jack High, my son. Yeah, I freaking love that kid. Every. Andrew, every time I'm on your show, we talk about Arbor Jack Eye. We have to. I mean, like his who mom makes a bigger following me on Twitter. <laughs> the guy just is everywhere, you know? And I made a point on Twitter that I was really impressed with him in this game if it, it like his puck handling at the blue line. Cause he's all, he's always been really good at getting those pucks through the defense onto the net or like in and around the net. But it used to always just be like, I'm just gonna fire it, fire it in, fire it in, hope for guys to like win the puck on the rebound and, and knock it in or whatever. Tonight he was making plays out there, and if he can continue to do that, he's a guy that I just I don't want to underestimate again because I remember when he first got signed by the Canadians, and the way people were talking about him was just like, oh, this big goon, this face puncher, and immediately I was turned off. I was like, I don't want to give this guy the time of day. I don't need like another face puncher on the Canadians. We're past that, but he's so much more. I don't know if he's going to be more than like a number five defenseman, but the advancement in his game like game to game over the last season has been incredible. Uh, I think he's now, I think he's the only player or only defenseman 
in NHL history who wasn't drafted in junior and wasn't drafted for the NHL and wow. went straight from junior to the NHL. What's crazy about Arbor Jack guy is, like you say, you, you hear he's a face puncher because he's just running dudes over in the OHL, like absolutely destroying guys on a daily basis. And you're like, man, we're trying to get better. We're trying to do a rebuild. Why are we doing face punching? <laughs> However, if you are that good, and at, at, if you're as good as Arbor Jack guy is at clearing out the front of the net, at reading the play, at using your physical tools to your advantage, and you're a face puncher, That's I plus. mean, that type of stuff goes for multiple first-round picks at the trade deadline. Like, yep. there are so many coaches, and I mean, as an analytics nerd, that might not be what I'm looking for, but there are so many coaches that... I mean, you look at some of the tougher coaches, right? Bruce Cassidy, Rick Talkett, um, some of these guys, they see somebody like Arbor Jackeye and they're like, bring me that. Like, where is a capable defenseman that is also a face puncher? And that's why somebody like Ryan Reeves is a unicorn because he's effectively Arbor Jackeye up front, a capable fourth line forward, never going to be anything else. And he's a face puncher. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's that's the kind of stuff that actually does lead to team toughness, right? Because you're not going to have like a, a Donald Brashear or a George LaRock take a shift with Austin Matthews, but well, you probably won't use Ryan Reeves either. But Arbor Jacka, you can throw out there on defense and maybe everybody feels a little bit bigger. And it's maybe a little bit true what they say about, about enforcers, usually maybe not so much when they're playing five minutes a night. But a guy who can actually take a regular shift and doesn't hurt your team in doing so. That's a welcome addition on on my team anytime. I don't want to step on your toes, Lauren, but we should probably mention some of the new stuff happening at yes, the end of the show. Yes, please, here. please. All I right, had it so written for... down. I was going to talk about it, but please, you, you're so <laughs> yeah. excited. So as you guys know who are watching, we're always really interactive with uh, the people watching the show, but we're going to change it a little bit this year. Uh, we will interact with you if you have questions on topic or comments that we see that we want to highlight on stream. But at the end of the show, there's going to be a segment just for you. We're going to do just like the presser on SDP. We're going to tell you multiple times, stick around. At the end of the show, you can ask questions and we will answer them. So we're going to have a presser at the end. Be patient. If you've got an off-topic question, hold it. We're not going to scroll back in, in the stream chat. Just wait for the end. Yeah. You can write it now if you want, but keep it in your head for the end and we will get to it. We'll get to a few anyway. No. I have a question. Can I also I put it on Twitter. Them like a hockey man? Yeah. <laughs> just looked at the most rudimentary, awful answers and then answer it seriously. I just want to be like one of those people. <laughs> Obviously, yes. Yeah, so you can either put them down in the comment box, you can put them in the chat, you can put them. I tweeted out uh, at the in the middle of the third period there that we were going to be answering questions at the end of it. So, yes, please do that. Um, also, if you're just joining us, I'm Lauren. On the right-hand side is Andrew, and in the middle is our good friend, Rachel. Uh, this is game over. Welcome. Crossover. Uh, we did the thing that Dr. Egon Spengler said not to, and we crossed the streams. So, yes. <laughs> well, game over. So, yeah, that was it was a good game both ways. I mean, hey, it looks like New Hook is going to be a good addition to you. And also, as to what you're saying before, I was I had a question later, but you brought him up already, and I don't really want to bring him up again. So, Arbor Jackai is the one player uh, outside of like the top line, obviously, that I would take from the Habs and I would stick him onto my team. So, Andrew, if you could take someone from the Leafs, not in the top three, I'm saying not Austin Matthews, not Mitch Marner, someone that is in your bottom six or in like your bottom four defense pairings, who's it going to be? Oh, Rachel, God, you can tough. answer too. You can answer both ways. So it can't be like top six. None of the none of the core four. Can I say that? Okay, yeah. And uh, it can't Matthew, be like Morgan Riley either. Yes, <laughs> Matthew Nyes. Matthew Nyes. He had a really rough game tonight, but I've watched him a fair bit now, and I think he is going to be a problem. Yeah, that's an excellent answer. Uh, I did not get him in our fantasy team in the SCPN game over fantasy team. He went super late and I should have got him and I feel terrible that I didn't. But that's an excellent answer. Rachel, what's your answer? You can go both ways or one way. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I think um, Arbor Jack guy would be the guy I would take for Montreal. If I'm Montreal going the other way, I think I'd probably opt for Tyler Bertuzzi. Because he's sort of like a Brendan Gallagher-esque replacement, except less injury-prone. But if we're completely removing the top six, uh, you take Matthew Nyes. Because he might not be top six in Toronto yet, 
But if you take him and you put him with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, uh, that line is a capital P problem. He would be the perfect compliment on that line. Yeah. Like, he really would. He would. I was begging Sheldon Keefe to put out Fraser Minton and Matthew Nyes together in overtime. I don't know if either of you are, like, familiar with Fraser Minton at all, but Fraser Minton in OT in the WHL was such an issue that every time they panned to a coach once, I feel like it might have been the Red Deer guy when Fraser Minton went out, and he just went, because you just know, like he just makes things happen. So I was kind of hoping he would get that opportunity tonight. Obviously, he's a literal child. He could barely sign his own permission form. But like, <laughs> hey. Yeah. Yeah. Minton's been really good. Uh, I don't know how he played tonight. I didn't notice him a lot. Aside from when uh, the broadcast had a Fraser Minton shift counter at the beginning. I was like, can you calm down? I know. <laughs> let's chill a little bit it's not Connor Bedard out there. yeah it's Fraser Minton leave did him alone did you see the stat last night with Connor Bedard it's like Connor Bedard's first point Sidney Crosby's like 1504 <laughs> did you see it's what like, they did tonight because Bedard scored his first goal and they were like Bedard won Gretzky 894 or whatever it is and it's like chill the broadcasters don't have to go that hard they're not even doing that for Ovi right now so like Pump the brakes a little bit. Like, don't get me wrong. Connor Bedard's going to be good, but uh, he didn't score four goals in his opening game. That's all I'm saying. And Matthew's got a hat trick tonight, so it was like I felt a little bit extra spicy with that. I was – what's the opposite of salty <laughs> in a good way? Like, Sweet? Bitter? Yeah, no, it's it's – like it's like I don't know. I'll have to come up with some kind of different word for it because being sweet would be the opposite. Because I'm thinking of being really rude, and I'm I'm not good. I'm a I'm not a good sore loser. Let me put it that way. Um, <laughs> yeah. So definitely. Uh, I mean, the additions. So, what you're you're basically being a Karen is what you're what you're being. <laughs> I mean, is that what that is? I don't think so. I feel like maybe. I don't know. I don't know. If don't you know. have the answer, please answer in the comment box. Yeah, I let would us love know, to know the term that now we need of. to solve this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, maybe we'll come up with a new word and then we can copyright it and we can all get rich. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the I mean, I'm happy the Leafs won. Don't get me wrong. But I the, I don't know. The game was just so hard to talk about because it was so up and down the whole way through. Like there were so many penalties taken on both sides and and so many power plays. And it was just it felt so scattered through the whole game. It. It didn't really feel like a regular season game. And maybe that's the problem for the Leafs is that it didn't feel like a regular season game. But it I hope this isn't a sign of things to come from the Leafs because like, holy shit, man, we dealt with this enough last year where they would not show up for the first like 45 minutes of the game and then show up in the last 15 minutes, make a game out of it, get, convince you to turn it back on just to lose five minutes later. Because that's how they played against Florida and that's how they lost the second round series. They got lucky in the first round to some degree with Tampa and that luck ran out for the second series. Like that's what happened. And so I hope <laughs> Keith goes in and is just like, guys, like what happened? Like we, we had them on the ropes. We get three goals in a single period. And then what do you do? You lay a wet fart and you let the Habs score what? Th four goals in a row, three goals in a row. <sighs> I mean, Hey, at least give it to him that he had the, the like guts to pull the goalie super early and they actually made good on it. So yeah. there's, there's that on it. And I'll also give Keith credit that, I had the two boys with me to start the game. They watched most of the first period. And when they were doing like the introductions and they were introducing all the like Toronto coaches, both of them were like, why do they all look so angry? <laughs> and then Sheldon Keith smiled and they're like, oh, okay, I like that one. Yeah. Wait, did, so has Dylan ever seen like a Montreal home opener? Because like people make fun of Montreal. And I don't think so. Rightfully so. But the way Montreal does their home opener is actually unmatched. No, like, it's great. Un match i have nothing it's but respect so sick i have nothing but respect for like the amount of tribute that the habs give to the legacy and carrying the torch forward and all of the history is like funneled and pumped into like the first game of the season and it's one of the things that i really envy about the habs i can't believe i just said that but it's true like there are okay. some things that that you know the habs do that the leafs don't that i wish my team did you know, like, I wish that we paid better tribute to our people. Like, don't get me wrong. When it comes to, like, honoring our alumni and stuff, the Leafs do it just as good as anybody else. If you look at last year with the Borea Salming and everything, um, 
you know, it, it, the Leafs do have their strengths when it comes to it. But when it comes to like year in, year out, this is our season and we're going to do everything that we can to put a good product on the ice. The Habs always deliver. And it's like, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just, it's, it's really beautiful the way they do it. The yeah, I mean, sometimes it can get to be a bit much. I think people still make fun of them for like the long opening ceremonies from 2009, which is like, man, it's it's been 14 years. I think we can move on from the centennial year now. Eight? Like, <laughs> yeah, it start, they did start it in 2008. You're right. They did it for two years for the 100th anniversary because they're like, whatever, Jeez. we'll just do it the whole year. <laughs> but uh, I mean, that actual centennial game, I don't know if you guys remember, but like, man, that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So there that are ceremony times was where worth they, every minute. Oh, every single second. Yeah. Like, so cool. Watching Ken Dryden go out there and like carry Price's pads that were like way too small for him. <laughs> it was hilarious. But uh, yeah, re really, really cool. It it's cool when they do that stuff. I thought Toronto's was good tonight. It was like pretty quick, in my opinion. They didn't like stand on ceremony for too long. And and that's good. It it sucks when it takes forever and just drains all the energy out of the building. Maybe that's why they started slow though, right? Is they have the bagpipers there. I saw they posted it before. I just don't think they actually put it on the television. The 48th Highlanders yes, every, every single year. year. I mean, I think it's kind of like a cool tradition. Um, I was attempting to set up my television in the new condo I moved into. And so I missed like the opening ceremony. I would have liked to have seen something coming into the season. Like if you look at what Buffalo is doing with uh, Rick Jenneret, they're honoring him all season as they should, because he's arguably the most saber that there ever has been. Yep. I would have liked to see something tonight for Rodion Amirov, who oh, passed away geez, this summer. Right. Um, I think obviously shocking. recent first round pick dies of brain cancer, a completely tragic, obviously not even just like for the Leafs, but the hockey world, like a, yeah. a 20 year old dies. That's terrible. So I would have liked to have seen something and I'm kind of hoping um, that during Hockey Fights Cancer Month that um, we're using purple tape regardless of what the league rules say. Um, because something like that where it's like it directly impacts the hockey club, I really would have liked to have seen them kind of do something there. I think that kind of would have been a nice thing to do. Totally agree. That that seems like a pretty big oversight, honestly, now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, we were talking about it before the stream, but... If you're watching, then maybe you've noticed the fact that I uh, <clears throat> saltily, happily saltily, threw some pride tape on my water bottle tonight instead of a uh, Habs Tears post-it note. That's just for you, Andrew. I decided to go uh, neutral aggressive instead of hardcore aggressive. So <laughs> you're welcome. Oh, see, I went hardcore aggressive. I went <laughs> Toronto FC pride jersey. I said Toronto and pride. <laughs> Absolutely. You won't catch me dead wearing an impact jersey. That There's no chance. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're loyal, at least when it comes to your soccer club there. Um, now, we do have a couple of questions in the chat, but I had last year on the first game of the season, we asked a couple of questions. And just for kicks and yearly tradition, I would like to ask you two the same ones. So what is your spicy take of the season? What is the one thing where you're like, this may not ever happen, but if it does, then I'm going to make someone very rich because the odds of it happening are just ridiculous. What is your spicy take of the season? You first, Rachel. Does it have to be like leaf have related or no? No, no, like... no. It can just be hockey related. It's the first game of the season. Anybody can win in October, Rachel. The possibilities are endless. Elias Pettersson wins the Selkie is my hot take of the year. Wow. And yeah, I, I think I think he kind of wins the Selkie. I also don't think he is a Vancouver Canuck past the end of next season. I was gonna ask Ooh. if you thought he won that in a Canuck jersey if it was gonna be in another jersey. Oh, I think he wins it in a Canucks jersey. Okay. I just, I'm not sure that he wins another Selkie after that in a Canucks jersey. Um, uh, my spicy take is very similar, actually, Rachel. Ooh, my my spicy take is that uh, come July, Elias Pettersson is wearing a Montreal Canadiens jersey who need a star player who happens to be the same age as Nick Suzuki and Kirby Doc, fit perfectly in their core, and they have a ton of cap space. And a lot of mid-level assets that they could throw at Vancouver, who really needs depth. I'm hmm. saying I'm reading tea leaves. You know how much it would break my heart to have to get a Habs jersey because, like, <laughs> uh, to, to give you an idea of like how much I like Petey, like as a human being. Never mind the hockey player; he's a great hockey player. But like working with him on a daily basis, and like as a human, 
obviously I got rid of all of my Canuck stuff. I kept two things, my black skate, Elias Pedersen Jersey and the hat, like the, the black skate hat that I got like pretty early on in my tenure, but it's all black skate. And the only thing I kept was my PD Jersey. And I just like, the thing is, is they have the Sedins and Edler, like they have, and even Matias Olin's in their ring of honor. Like so many Swedes have a history in Vancouver. And so I would love to see that continue. And as a, somebody who cheers for the Leafs, I don't want Elias Pettersson in the Atlantic division. Screw <laughs> that. Um, but it would kind of be sick because you'd have two elite two-way centers in Suzuki and Pettersson. And I mean, Pettersson becomes your one C it slides Suzuki down to two. Like now you're looking at a pretty serious depth at center. I, I would really like that for the Habs and you're right, Andrew, they have, they got the assets. They're so, one of the only teams, them in Arizona, but it's not like PD's going to Arizona. So, so what yeah, would that trade yeah. look like? You obviously I, played I, I, armchair GM with that. It would, it yeah. would, it would include, I, I'll tell you what, I would bet you each a hundred dollars that that trade includes Arbor Jack guy. It might. I think th- wow. it's almost impossible to pull it off without one of Suzuki or Doc, I would assume. Just because, like, you'd need... I, w- I would assume that Vancouver would need something that's NHL-ready now to slot Well, because in. they have... Yeah. Uh, they are not allowed to rebuild. They think they're competitors, rebuild. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I think you're kind of looking at... If you're trading Elias Pettersson... Unfortunately, if you're Montreal, there isn't really an untouchable, including yeah. Caulfield, because Elias Pettersson immediately becomes the best player on the team, like by a pretty fair margin. Now, I think if you can avoid giving up Caulfield, you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but Vancouver covets Arbor Jack guy. They cover they covet defensemen like him. So I think that's absolutely on the table. I think you're probably looking at Kirby Doc. Um, I wonder if there's like an LTIR situation with Brendan Gallagher, maybe. I think there's a trade to be made, though, because Montreal does have assets that are ready now. Um, I Vancouver likes Alex Newhook. I know they just got him and signed him, but if you could do something, maybe it's Jack Eye and Newhook and a first probably gets you Pedersen. Wow. I would do that in a second. <laughs> <laughs> like, like maybe even if they maybe won the not. lottery this year i think i would do that because like yeah. what what are the odds really that one of the guys in this draft ends up being better than Pedersen? like Pedersen is so good he's so good if you don't get first overall probably not very high yeah. i mean i like cole eiserman i like ivan demidov but if you didn't get macklin celebrini you take macklin celebrini o- over Pedersen, you think <laughs> yes Wow. Wow. Okay. Macklin Celebrini is like he's you know how there's like Matthews to McDavid? Mm-hmm. Celebrini is that to Bedard. He's that good. Oh. Yeah, he's he's really good. Interesting. Interesting. Love it. Love it. Interesting. What did you guys think of your Slavkovsky tonight? Because he was a guy that uh until the last preseason game. People were all over thinking that he wasn't uh, like really different from last year. His reads were still kind of slow. But last preseason game against Ottawa, admittedly, they were iced an AHL team. But hey, who tries harder in preseason than AHLers? But he looked incredible. And I thought tonight he was absolutely on one. He was physical. He was winning puck battles. He had that spectacular assist on Newhook's first goal. That was I, I wonder if... There's a lot of people who've thrown in the towel on an 18-year-old so quickly. This kid has a lot more going for him than I think even like Montreal fans believe. I think that he looked really good. I think last season it's unfortunate that he got hurt. I mean, you guys got just a just eviscerated with injuries last year. Like it was it was it was it was it was wild, even from like a Leafs fan perspective. And like, don't get me wrong, I like watching you guys lose, but to some degree, I was like, okay, uh, he's <laughs> stop. He's already dead. Like, it was it was really rough. And so, you know, I was a little bit worried that he wasn't going to look as good as he did because I didn't really see him a lot this preseason. Like, I think one of the preseason games I went to, the Habs did play, but he didn't. So I didn't see him in that game. And then I obviously, no offense, Andrew, I don't really watch Habs preseason games. <laughs> Um, 
but I just preseason <laughs> of your own team is hard enough to stomach watching other I teams watched preseason a games. Grand total of zero preseason games. I watched. I them love all. that for you. I watched them all because I have I have an unhealthy love. Um, that's why I'm sweating in my apartment in 25 degrees wearing a hockey jersey. Um, Slavkovsky looked really good. He was really strong on the puck tonight. He was getting all kinds of bodies in the way. He had a really good stick. That assist to Newhook was fucking disgusting. And if that line continues to get the kind of chemistry that they have, then that line is going to wreck other teams' second lines because it's only like the first game of the regular season, and then those guys already look so good together. And he's 18, man. Like... I don't know about you, but I'm a different person than I was when I was 18. Like, when I was 18, I had hair down, halfway down my back. I had a septum piercing. I was, I did not look like I do. And it, and it, you just change so much from the time you're 18, even to when you're 21, to 25, to 28, to 34. And it's, I mean, it's, it's early days, but if he keeps progressing and making steps, like, it looks like he has over the last, like, essentially nine months from when he was injured, then he's going to be great. Like, as long as he doesn't get hurt again, because, like, when, I mean, he was not a first overall pick, but when Nick Robertson was drafted, it was like, this is Jason Robertson's little brother, and then, you know, I mean, the developments of those two players is not exactly the same, but he had so many injuries and then COVID, and there was just so much, so much turmoil in his training that even now people are like, oh, trade Nick Robertson, he's going to be nothing. And it's like, he's 20 years old, man. Like, stop it. And so for people to be doing that for an even younger player that has had even less opportunity is like, okay, just give the kid a chance. Like, you have to give somebody some runway to see if they can take off before you tell them the plane is down forever. Like, he looked really good tonight. And all you can do when you're that young is play game to game and play shift to shift and and try to put yourself in the best position. And he got rewarded with it tonight. He didn't get a goal, but there was later on in the game, I think in like the third period, he got really close and hit a post. A couple, like, he hit a post and it was loud. And it was, I think he's going to be really good. And I don't like it. <laughs> Yeah, I think I Montreal think... Canadiens fans are, like, really, like, uh, nervous about the fact that it seems like the team has overthought both of the last two first uh, draft picks. So they're just, like, they're really worried about it. But I don't know. I think with, with Slavkovsky, everyone saw that Logan Cooley goal in Australia, right? And they were like, oh, okay, he's going to be the guy. It's not going to be Shane Wright. He's going to be the guy that makes Slavkovsky look like a terrible pick. But, like, sometimes there's just a bunch of good players, <laughs> you know? And Slavkovsky is probably not going to have the skill level that Cooley has. Like, Cooley has a higher level of puck skills. But he's, he's the most different... skilled player in that draft. Yeah, Far easily. Away. And there are different kinds of skill, right? There's different kinds of play styles. So a direct comparison between them maybe doesn't make much sense. Yeah, I... So the thing with USF Coffee, and I would I would say this to Montreal fans, is like, should he have gone first? No, absolutely not. But that happened. That's in the past. Don't evaluate him on whether he went first or not. Evaluate him on how he played last year and the steps he's making this year. And what I saw tonight, obviously extremely small sample size. I saw a lot of the Adam Nicholas sort of toolbox. So on that assist that Lauren, you brought up, his ability to take that puck, immediately shift his weight in one fell swoop and move it on his backhand to the open space, that's something he couldn't do last year, yep. right? So you see that development. That is a tangible step in his offensive game that, hey, this kid has learned how to shift his weight and use his body to his advantage. That's a big boy too. So somebody of that size who is able to shift their weight and make those quick plays in tight that's going to be a really valuable asset for him going forward. And so what I would caution is don't evaluate him against Logan Cooley. That's not fair. Logan Cooley is a better hockey player. Like just, Logan Cooley is Logan Cooley. Yuri Slavkovsky is running his own race. Yeah. And if you look at where he was last year to the steps he's taken already, just to be able to do that little thing, that shows me that he's still developing. And like you guys laid out, he's 19. Like, if you're below 22, if you are below 22, I do not want to hear the word bust. Because, like, that, it's not relevant. Like, you literally haven't had enough chances. And even at, like, 22 is, like, still kind of young to be saying that. And so what I would say is, like, chill. Everybody relax. If he puts up 10 points this year, then, yeah, by all means, I mean, like, that's not ideal. But at least in game one, 
I noticed things that he was able to execute that he wasn't able to execute last year. And from a development perspective, I think that's a massive positive. And I think that that's something Martin St. Louis will recognize and look to build on because he's exactly that kind of coach. It's exactly the coach Slavkovsky needs, that new hook needs. They all need a coach that is going to be able to do that for them. And, and so to see those steps, I think if he continues to build on that and, and follows this trajectory, he's going to be a, a really solid middle six player for Montreal. And like, hey, that's fine. Not every first overall pick is going to be Connor McDavid. Yeah, this In is fact, true. the Oilers messed up multiple first overall picks. Like, all of them except one and two, actually, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Yeah. You think the Taylor Hall was a bad pick? You would have taken Sagan? No, but they messed up trading yes. him for Larson. Yes. <laughs> okay. Point take. He promptly <laughs> won a heart trophy after that. Like, get that you this screwed that up. <laughs> Oh, uh, Jake in the chat says Habs on pace for zero wins this season, which is just <laughs> hilarious. Uh, That's right. Austin to- Matthews on pace for 212 goals or something like that. Yeah. And I think when we go back to like that decision from the Montreal Canadiens, I, as much as we're like, I think you look at Logan Cooley and his player type and his skill level, and you say, this is going to be the probably the best player out of that draft at, at this stage. Maybe David Juracek will take over best player we don't know but i think the canadians also look at slavkovsky and say he might not be as good overall as logan cooley but he might be the more rare player type like i made this point a lot last season in terms of like comparing arbor jackai to jordan harris jordan harris has a much more complete refined game right now than arbor jackai but if you put both of them on the trade block you're going to get five times as much for arbor jackai compared to Jordan Harris, because Arbor Jacka is just a much more rare player type. It's the intangibles. That's how Eric Goodbranson um, got four by four last summer. Like, that's that's how we ended up here. Arbor yep. Jacka, if he's in free agency next summer, it, it, is just bring a Brinks truck with you. Because, like, <laughs> that's, that's what he's... And does he deserve that money? Like, is he good enough? No, absolutely not. But you are worth what the market says you're worth. And there are GMs and I could name a few of them that would be lining up to pay Arbor Jack. I like $5 million to be their bottom pair defenseman. Like they just, because you'd rather on your bottom pair, a lot of GMs would rather have a guy like Arbor Jack. I than Jordan Harris, because he brings that tough cross checks dudes in front of the net. Raw Ross is stuff that you all both know what I'm referring to. And I, I think you make a great point. Slavkovsky might be Slavkovsky might be a more rare player type. Logan Cooley, it has rarer skills. And right. I think those are different, right? You can Brad Marchand is a rare player type. He is a POS that is also incredibly talented and probably going in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And also like hit his peak in his 30s, which is super weird. Age doesn't matter on the Boston Bruins, apparently. Patrice Bergeron won the Selkie and was like, you know what? I'm actually done. He just faded into the... He just faded like that. Like if Patrice, the guy let's, just evaporating. If Patrice Bergeron says, I want to come play for Montreal, I've changed my mind, he's immediately their best player, no? Yep. Like he's just If we nice do coming. that, I'm not doing games for the rest of the season, just letting you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know if Ken like, Hughes I'm has out. that much magic. <laughs> Although I, I think you can read the tea leaves on Jacky's next contract and you can see Ken Hughes being like, look, Arbor, like, remember we discovered you nobody drafted you so it was us and look we drafted your brother he's in the organization we look love how nice parents. we're being wouldn't you like to just sign the the smallest contract you can think of like wouldn't that be nice go the timmy stoots route <laughs> they're, they're already looking at that down the line and saying like let's not make that a problem yeah well and it's just it's easy to look at someone that's been in the league for one year and be like this is the better player but so so leafiest outcome in the chat said i think it's just fun to give habs fans a hard time about Slavkovsky. like the like the league was giving us a hard time about how matthews over line a and look how that turned out and it's true when people when they drafted matthews over line a some people were like what are you doing he took the worst player and even though like at the and they were promptly wrong. Yes. <laughs> they were wrong before the, the season even started. Yes. As soon as yeah. that uh, World Cup happened in, in yeah. North America, everyone was like, oh, oh. And then, like, that's game not one a boy, of the season. that's a man. Yes. 
And that's just it, right? Like it's easy to have this world's smallest sample size and say, well, this is the best player of a generation. And it's like, you got to give, you have to give someone at least like a high school length of time before you decide on if they're good or not, like all the way through. Like one yeah, season like does not few, make a player. Yeah. There's a few players where like that can be excused and like, McDavid, Bedard, Matthews. But I feel like generational gets thrown around way too often, mm. right? Alex Ovechkin is a generational goal scorer. Yes. He literally doesn't do anything else. No. He's a generational goal scorer. He's the best goal scorer of all time. Sidney Crosby is a generational player. Yes. Eric Carlson is not a generational player. He is a generational defenseman who has then been followed by Kale McCarr, right? Austin Matthews is not a generational player. That's no. Connor McDavid. Yes. Connor Bedard is a generational player, and they happen once every seven or eight years, so this is kind of right on the cusp. Matthews is going to be the Ovechkin in terms of, like, generational goal scorer, but he is absolutely not the best player in the NHL during his time frame. Kale McCarr is completely revolutionizing how teams have to play defense against defensemen. But he's not McDavid. There's no. one player per generation, and it's McDavid. Like that's just that that's the end. And yeah, I feel like we we could say elite, we could say franchise player. There's a ton of franchise players. Well, there's not a ton. There's like 14 or 15. There's one generational player. Oh, I gotta run something by you guys because it's just too good. Uh Adam Dyer says on Twitter they're calling the dock line new kids on the dock. I approve. I love 12 it out of 10. so much. I approve. 12 out of 10. I have no vote because I'm a Leafs fan, but I approve. Just stamp of approval immediately. It's done. Yeah, it's that's the new it. nickname. No, that's we have to end this. And if Martin, better than that. <laughs> if Martin Saint Louis changes the line, revolt immediately. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, yeah, probably gonna happen at some point, but. Yeah, I, I actually did. I like the top six overall for Montreal tonight. Uh, Josh Anderson, I think, is not the long-term fit on that top line, but I thought he looked good tonight. He always does against Toronto. Didn't score, but pretty strong game from him. But what made me sad watching tonight was Brendan Gallagher. Uh, last year, when he started out healthy, he looked all right. He wasn't scoring, but he looked all right. He looks slow. And Tanner Pearson looks slow. And with Monaghan, they make Monaghan look slow. And that line, like, they've got to flip that. Maybe uh, Ulanen and Harvey Pennard move up and Gallagher and Pearson move down the line. Or man, maybe I, you split the speed, right? You have Gallagher on one line and you have Pearson on the other. I think Tanner is, needs – actually, Gallagher, too. They were injured for so long. Tanner Pearson wasn't even able to ep- exercise because he had an infection because yeah. of things. So I think – Maybe we cut them some slack and it's like, okay, you know what? If a, a player who wasn't going through like life altering injuries um, gets up to speed in like the first few games, maybe it takes Pearson and Gallagher like five or 10 games because they, they went so wrong. But yeah, like Pearson's never been a foot speed guy. Gallagher, he's old, right? Like there was, there was a point where I actually thought, that there was going to be a trade between Montreal and Vancouver for Gallagher because he's from out there. And he's kind of at the point where we wonder if he's going to play anymore. Like, I feel like we might be one Brendan Gallagher injury away from him hanging them up kind of thing or LTIR. Um, And that's really unfortunate. I've loved watching Brendan Gallagher. I think he's another super rare archetype of player. And it sucks, but I think maybe we give them a little bit of slack to kind of get up to speed. One, they're old, and two, um, catastrophic injuries. Yeah, you got to give them some time to figure it out. But it wasn't it wasn't a good look tonight. I I, I think that you're right that you'd have you'd have to split them up, right? I understand the idea of it. Like you put Monahan with those two guys, and it's kind of like your veteran line that is safe and maybe can pop a couple of goals, but. Not, I'm not seeing that line. That that's the one line tonight that I was like, yeah, it's, that's not gonna work. And it's unfortunate because honestly, for so long, I thought I really did think that Brendan Gallagher was just like the quintessential hab. Like he yeah. was everything I hated against playing. He was he had attitude. He was good. He was fast. He was hard on the defense. He was good on the forecheck. Like I hate playing against Brendan Gallagher. And honestly, when when they announced the cat, like the new captain of the team, I was actually kind of surprised that it wasn't Brendan Gallagher, just because I associate the Habs like, like to me, it would be weird to see Brendan Gallagher in another jersey because he's just, 
He's just like the lifeblood. When I think of a Hab, that's the face that I see. When I think of the Bruins, I see Brad Marchand. It's the same thing. And so it's unfortunate to like see somebody that isn't super old, like just be so riddled with, with injuries that the decision to some degree isn't up to them. Like it is still, cause he's still playing and stuff. But like you said, like, you know, you're a bad ankle roll away from maybe not being able to get back on a pair of skates the same way. And it's, and it is unfortunate. And it's, I mean, it's as a Leaf fan, yay. But also like, just as a hockey fan, like it's not, it's, it's sad. Like I, it's the same thing with like Jake Muzzin, just like, oh, I have to retire yeah. now because I'm so injured. He's like my age and he's like, oh, I can't play anymore. And I'm like, oh my God. And I might not be able to do things. Like if you look at like what happened to Ryan Kessler, like yes. can't play with my kids. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, man, what are we doing here? Like, it's so, but this is like Brendan Gallagher's player archetype kind of lends itself to these kind of injuries, right? We've seen that with guys like Jake Muzzin who play really tough, like enforcers have shorter careers for a reason. Like Ryan Reeves is the unicorn. Tom Wilson is the unicorn. Yes. Like they're able to have that longevity, but that's rare. When you play that kind of rough and tumble grinding game, things crop up, a back, a groin, a concussion, like a a wrist, a shoulder. Yeah, like it's tough on your body. And Brendan Gallagher's had some bad luck too. Like his first game back, didn't he get like a broken finger like right off the hop just because somebody hit him with a slap shot? Like things like that too. That's not so much being injury prone. That's just like, that's a bad bounce. Like Cody Glass yesterday got hit in the face with a slap shot. It's like, how do you... That's not injury prone. That's like a, somebody shot a puck a hundred miles an hour and it hit me in the head. Like, yeah, yeah. And then and I, yeah, that happened to Gallagher a couple times. He yeah. broke his hand blocking a shot, and then he came back and like three or four games later, Shea Weber bombed one and broke his same hand that he just had surgically repaired, and that was like <laughs> the beginning of the decline. And then it's just been like ever since the the cup run, it's just been like groin injury, groin injury, groin injury, and. I find with hockey players, as soon as there's like cumulative groin injuries, unless they take a long time off and You're rehab done. it well, it's not a good sign. It. So it's... I've been thinking about this. I'm curious to see what you guys think. Thought about this over the summer because I was having a conversation with somebody about Carey Price. Did that cup run ruin, like in terms of longevity-wise, the careers of Brendan Gallagher and Carey Price? Like, yes, did the Habs rely Byron. on them too much? Yes, 100%. Uh, Shea Weber, Carey Price, Paul Byron, Brennan Gallagher, all basically never played the same ever again. Ever again. Yeah. Like that cup run, sure, like you got that cup run, but... I mean, that's why when you go back and look at the footage, look how broken they are when they lost, right? Like they... They knew. They put in so much of themselves into that cup run. They really thought they were like the team of destiny and then... All of a sudden, Tampa was like, actually, we're way better. <laughs> Just crushed them. And it was like absolutely devastating, right? So I think emotionally, it, it crippled them. Their team. And then physically, <laughs> they sacrificed so much that they just could never get back to where they were. It broke. Carey Price's back, similar to Henrik Lundqvist, deteriorated from uh, promptly carrying his team for a decade. Yeah, like yeah. I remember the end of that series and I remember and this is weird for me because I don't usually remember things like this. I remember the look on Shea Weber's face. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? The shot that I'm when he was like bent over and he was like red faced and I was like, that is a man's man and he is on the verge of breaking down. Like yeah. it was and he did. He yeah. He cried, right? And you could see if you watch it now, like he starts to lose it. And it's like all of the Canadians come over and start yeah. hugging him, right? Yeah. Like they know he, it, it was the end. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like it's got to be a rough way to go to yeah, like end him your and Price. Career. Like it, they basically like that's it, right? Yeah. It sucks. Like as a hockey fan, I love watching Shea Weber play. I loved watching Carey Price play. Damn, as a Canadian, losing Carey Price, like that stings. Like, yeah. Carey Price got us an Olympic gold. Like he, he, he is as much as people are like, Oh, Carey Price is overrated. This Carey Price overrated that. Uh, it's pretty hard to argue like that when a team who perpetually underperforms needs somebody to be the spine, 
he was the guy. Always. Right? So I think to see Weber, like you said, to see Weber, Price, Gallagher, that cup run effectively ruined the Habs. Like it, yeah. it broke them. Yeah. I think anybody who thinks that Price was overrated should look at like the goal support that he had <laughs> in Montreal, not just in the regular season. The best one is look at his goal support in like elimination games, whether they won or lost. It's, it's like, like 0.75. Like, yeah. It is. It's like it's, under one. Yeah. And he won like half of them or more. And it's like, man, this guy's a hero. But yeah. uh, I digress. Yes. Um, should we get to some comments or some questions from the chat? Yeah, there hasn't been a lot of... I, I scrolled up. There wasn't a lot. So we should probably actually wrap up the stream anyway. We're close to an hour here. Yeah, I mean, we can give them an opportunity to. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right well, you told absolutely. them to wait till the end. And That's, that true. True. That's true. That's true. So they were good. Please and they leave your questions if you are still watching. Please leave your questions while that's happening. Yeah. I'm going to ask you guys really quick: Who is your way too early cup final? Way too early mm -hmm. cup final. Edmonton and Carolina, an 06 rematch. Okay, Rachel. Um. I'll give you mine. Maybe we have a second. I think it's Edmonton, New Jersey. I think oh, New I Jersey that. could go to the final. Sorry. Um, Sorry. Oh, my <laughs> God. That would be... Honestly, I'd be so happy for so many people in that organization. Um, like, yeah. Even that, though Edmonton yeah, fans so... would be so insufferable. Oh, my God. Oh, my Lord. I mean, who, who um, amongst us is not insufferable when your team makes it to the end, you know? I okay, guess. I just want to point out, if the Leafs ever make a cup final your ceo is might be the most insufferable man on the internet and he will deserve it he will deserve every shot that he can take and honestly i think leaf fans are fine with like people taking shots at them because they know if the leafs were to ever get back there the <laughs> absolute unloading that would occur would be just monstrous like it would be insane even like last year like they freaking partied in the streets after one win winning the cup get out of here like it'd be ridiculous but my cup final i'm gonna go dallas carolina i think dallas is best equipped that's a in good, the west good answer good answer yeah, i like dallas too uh okay well we do have some questions now thank you everybody we for do. sending your questions thoughts on domi tonight i think he looked okay there was a couple shifts where he looked really good there were a couple shifts where he looked not as good. Um, he laid a couple hits that were really nice. He got in a couple good passing lanes. He didn't produce as much as I was kind of hoping he would. But there was actually the thing I noticed more about that line tonight was actually it was because of Domi, but not, in a good way, but not a good way. Because at one point, him and Nylander like scurried down the ice and John Tavares is like lagging behind. It was kind of sad. It was the only time in the game where I was like, oh, John, oh, no. And he didn't he's look like good. He's like an old dad. I know, but he's like, it's come on. Uh, so I thought he looked good. What do you guys think? Uh, I thought, I mean, Domi, I've watched him enough as a Canadian that I have a, a strong opinion of him. I think when he has the puck on his stick through transition, he's a fantastic player and really fun to watch. In his own zone or without the puck in general, he's atrocious <laughs> like he just i don't know if it's a, a care level thing i think he's one of the worst defensive players in the league and I, I don't remember which goal it was but there was one that it was like straight up domi just turning the puck over not like being too casual in his own zone and i think that was the goal that uh tied the game for the canadians in the third period uh the new hook goal? was that one or the one they took a lead it, it, he's just too casual you know yeah. uh, he wants to fly the zone too early and when he has the puck in the defensive zone, he just doesn't make good decisions. So that's my view of Domi. Yeah, I feel like that's an appropriate view for how he played in Montreal. Like, that's entirely accurate. I think, and this was kind of my prediction when he signed originally, when you have somebody like Max Domi, whose father played for this, the club, who grew up here, who understands what it's like to wear the crest, um, there is an intrinsic pressure that comes with that. What I will say is, I one, I think it's far too early to be evaluating him in a Leaf uniform, but I did notice that that line was much, it seemed like they were much better at retrievals. It seemed like they were quicker to pucks, and Nylander is always quick to pucks, but it seemed like adding Domi there instead of Kerfoot, there were better decisions being made. There were better plays with the puck because the puck 
on Alex Kerfoot's stick is basically where the puck goes to die. Like my co-host almost had a stroke last year <laughs> watching that. So having somebody like Max Domi, I think that the defensive kinks will sort of be worked out because the Leafs are a really good defensive team. And so I think that'll sort of um, kind of work itself out. But I do like that he he brought that speed element, that snotty element. He is going to be a pest. He doesn't have to be Brad Marchand. He doesn't have to be what Brendan Gallagher was in his peak. He just has to be annoying enough to pull attention away from Nylander. And Nylander was, I think he had like six shots tonight. Like I thought Nylander was fantastic. And I think part of that was was because the ice was opened up for him by what Max Domi was doing. Well, and he's more of a threat than Alex Griffith is. Oh, absolutely. I think Max Domi, like one thing that you cannot ever take away from him is he is a splendid playmaker. Like his passing game is so good. Which is like, why he's stapled to Tavares and Nylander. Right? It, it, it makes sense, you know? And, you know, Nylander can help him out a little bit in the neutral zone defense, at least, you know, keep it from creating too much in-zone play. Uh, yeah, even... Did you guys watch that little TikTok that the Leafs did where it was like Marner trying to roll a quarter into a fork? Yes. And even in that little thing, you know how good of a playmaker Marner is? And when Domi came over, he, like, right away almost got... Like, he is shockingly good with the puck his, so his hockey sense i mean maybe when your uncle is matt sundin you're like you're around the game you learn how to read the game better than like most other people um but yeah like i think that's going to be super beneficial right i think the effort thing you brought up is a really great point and i do wonder and this was something that i kind of thought when he was signed was he needs to get his feet under him but then is he one of those guys that is willing to go that extra mile similar to kind of how Zach Hyman did because the crest means more to him, his family, like that kind of thing. Like I can tell you working for other NHL teams, I've said many times, I don't, I don't want to work in the NHL anymore. If a certain hockey club came calling that answer would change and it would only change for that hockey club because there is something intrinsic about your home club. It just means more. And I think, you might see that with Max Domi as he gets his feet under him. He's willing to take that extra stride on the back check. He's willing to dig in and get that puck out in the defensive zone because of the uniform he's wearing. 100%. Absolutely. Andrew, do you have a question picked out? You look like you're scanning through them. Yeah, there was a good one. Uh, Jake the Snake asks, when should Gallagher be bought out uh, when the Canadians are pushing for the playoffs? I think this is like, we kind of talked about Gallagher already, but unfortunately, I think this is a sad answer. I feel like Gallagher is not going to get traded and he's not going to get bought out. It's going to nope. be LTIR. Yep. That's going to be the, I don't think he's going to last that contract. He's just, he's the saddest, too broken quietest down. goodbye. Yeah. It, it sucks. It, you don't want to see any player in their career like that, but it does happen to many. It's a rough sport. And even like, it's not like Montreal, like we're not talking about Arizona here. They can afford the full weight of Price's contract. They can afford the yeah. full weight of Weber's. They can afford the full weight of Gallagher's. You don't need to buy him out. Use that money for LTIR, especially when you're contending, which is where the, the Habs will be when this money starts to matter. Having LTIR pool money, at, hello, Tampa Bay, uh, it works. Like <laughs> does. Yeah, absolutely. SDPN team goal song or individual goal songs? Ah, team. Yeah, yeah. I like the I like the idea of the individual goal songs, like just as a concept. Yeah, but it, it just it doesn't work as well in practice as I think you you want it to, right? Yeah, the fans don't like I unless like if Austin Matthews has an individual goal song, yeah, because you're gonna hear it seventy times a year. Yeah, that's great, but. You know, Arbor Jackeye doesn't need his own goal song. No, you don't need to hear Arbor Jackeye's goal song five times a year. Actually, he might score more than that. He's a pretty decent shot. But I mean, hey, did you see him shoot a puck through the net with a wrist shot that deflected? I still don't know how he did it. That's crazy. There was another good question here for uh, Rachel asking what she thinks of uh, Caden Gooley. Like, what's her projection from uh, King of the North? What do I think of Caden Gooley? I think he's going to be one of the best defensemen in the Atlantic division for a very long time. I think Charlie McAvoy, Victor Hedman, like we're talking about the elite of the elite Rasmus Dahlin, Owen power. I think 
Caden Gooley is going to be in the tier just below them. I think he's that good. He's going to be an impact. And I don't think Montreal is going to rush him. I really like the approach they've taken with him. He is going to be that physical, really awful, basically a better Eric Cernak. Okay. Kind of better Eric so Cernak. imagine Eric Cernak. But like if Eric Cernak was top pair, quarter. no, I love Eric Cernak. I just, yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't want to imagine that. Oh God, <laughs> yeah, another so Eric Cernak to deal with. Why you got to be like the that? The other thing is, before long, he'll be wearing a letter. That guy, oh yeah, ble- bleeds leader. Like even in junior, he's leading the charge to go into schools and talk about like anti-bullying and like inclusivity, things like that. Like he, he's a leader through and through, on and off the ice. He is gonna have a letter. I wouldn't even surprise me if he has a letter next year. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, somebody was saying, what about Arbor Jackai with a fight song? I mean, I think the Canadians already do that. If he gets in a fight on home ice, they play X going to give it to you. Oh, my God. Okay, that's that's, that's great. Awesome. I'll that's, allow that's, that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right? pretty good. Yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, yeah, so we should probably wrap this up unless there's any more questions anyone wants to get to. No, I think that's good. We don't. We can't answer a billion, right? No, uh, we don't no. Keep everyone here forever. Absolutely and not. We all need to sleep for sure. And obviously, after tonight's show, we have other game overs happening. We have two more head to heads with the Jets playing host to the Flames, and the Canucks are currently kicking the snot out of the Oilers. It's four nothing. What? Let's go. Brock Besser, Hattie. Ha- ba- Brock Besser, Hattrick. Right. McJesus predicted to get no goals this year. Uh, so make sure oh. you guys go check those games out. We also have game over Ottawa, who unfortunately lost to the Carolina Hurricanes earlier. So please make sure you go check out all of our other game overs. We are going to be on this week and every single game for the rest of the season. Uh, like the show. Yes. Like, subscribe. Make sure you share it. If you enjoy this stream, please come back. Like I said, um, we are live after every single game, after every single hockey game in the Canadian market. Uh, there's a different team for everybody. I was lucky enough to be asked by Andrew to come on tonight's stream. So Andrew, thank you for asking me. Um, this has been Game Over Toronto, the very first crossover stream. Great success with minor technical difficulty to start it off. But uh, I am Lauren Williamson. You can find me on Twitter at Lauren in the Six. Andrew, where can people find you? Oh, at Andrew Berkshire, pretty much everywhere. I'm trying to go on all the different social medias and threads and blue sky as much as I can this year. I'm going to decide which ones I actually like. At some point, I might have to cut Twitter. It's probably the most annoying one. And I have to get TikTok. That's still a thing I have to do. Rachel, obviously you're at Rachel Dory on Twitter, but where else can we find you? Because you have your hands on all kinds of different honeypots. Yeah, the Staff and Graph podcast, the BetMGM Action Show, BetMGM Inside the Lines if you like football. Um, I do. I'm the lead betting girly pop for um, the hockey news. So I'm actually putting out my model similar to what John Lustrician used to do a few years ago. And I am sporty girl math on TikTok because of course I am. (laughs) I love that. Okay. Well, like I said, it is Game Over Toronto. Thank you guys for watching. Make sure you hit like. Make sure you hit subscribe. If you like hockey and you know somebody that likes hockey, bring them on around next time and we'll make sure to answer your questions. Have a great night, everybody. Leafs win. Woo! Suck it, Habs!